Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew, Bible teacher and pastor of Grace Valley Christian Center located in Davis, California. Today, Pastor Matthew continues in the sermon series entitled Faith is the Victory with Part 9, Selfish Ambition. If you have your Bible with you, please turn to Philippians chapter 2. Now here's our teacher, Pastor P.G. Matthew. Heavenly Father, we have come before you. We believe that you are in our midst. We pray that you order our minds, our will, our affection, our very self, that we may honor you, that we may not be characterized by attention deficit syndrome. How can we show deficit when you are in the midst of us? Discipline our minds. Help us, O Lord, to hear your word, which you are bringing to us through your servant, under the unction of the Spirit of the living God. Clothe us, O Lord, with your Holy Spirit, that we may be clothed with not arrogance, but humility, not self-adulation and self-glory and empty conceit, but humility. Because your word tells us God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. Help us to live a theocentric life, which is always a life of humility. A life of faith. Deal with our arrogance. Help us that we may fall down before you. And be lifted up by you. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. We have been considering for some time. On the subject of faith. And also on attitudes that are inimical. And destructive of saving faith. So this is ninth in a series on faith. He spoke about faith, guilt, anxiety, discontent, covetousness, bitterness, envy, impatience. And today I want to speak about selfish ambition. An attitude that is destructive of saving faith. Selfish ambition and empty conceit. We are talking about self-trust. We are talking about pride. The sin that made Lucifer the devil. A well-received sermon, a promotion at work, children's accomplishments... And other blessings. When we receive it instead of giving glory to God. We take credit for these things. We put faith in ourselves. Our power, our wealth, our brain, our beauty, our family. And our country. Such self-adulation. And self-glorying is of the devil. So let's look at the devil. First point, devil. In Genesis 3, we see the devil. 
the ancient serpent counseling Eve to violate God's law, that she may become like God. Satan himself refused to submit to God as a creature, but desired to be God and was condemned for such selfish ambition. Jesus told us the devil did not hold to truth. He became a liar and father of all lies. Turn with me to Isaiah 14, the chapter. In Isaiah 14, Isaiah speaks of the king of Babylon, yet he is also describing the nature of Satan. Beginning with verse 12, How have you fallen from heaven, O morning star, son of the dawn? You have been cast down to earth. You who once laid low the nations. And now listen. You said in your heart. See God is the heart knower. He knows your thought before you think. You said in your heart. I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of assembly. On the utmost heights of the sacred mountain. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. And finally I will make myself like the most high. I, 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 I. Selfish ambition. I will make myself like the most high. El Elyon, creator of heaven and earth. The devil desires to be the most high, and all his followers desire to do so. This is selfish ambition. This is self-glorying. This is pride. Pride goes before the fall. And I have seen that happening in this church all these years. But notice verse 15, but you are brought down to the grave, to the depths of the pit. Turn with me to Ezekiel there again. Ezekiel speaking about the king of Tyre, but it is also a description of the devil, a supernatural creature. Ezekiel 28, 11 through 19. The word of the Lord came to me, son of man, take up a lament concerning the king of Tyre and said to him, this is what the sovereign Lord says, you were the model of perfection. See, the description transcends that of a mere king. Full of wisdom and perfect in beauty, you were in Eden, the garden of God, every precious stone adorned you, ruby, topaz, and emerald, chrysolite, onyx, jasper, sapphire, turquoise, and beryl. Your settings and mountings were made of gold. On the day you were created, they were prepared. You were anointed as a guardian cherub. For so I ordained you. You are a creature under my sovereign rule. You were on the holy mount of God. You walked among the fiery stones. 
You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created. There was a time when Lucifer was blameless. Till wickedness, this is the mystery of evil, till wickedness was found in you. Verse 17, your heart became proud on account of your beauty. And you corrupted your wisdom because of your splendor. So I threw you to the earth and made a spectacle of you before kings. A creature which was a moral of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. An anointed guardian cherub by divine ordination. Who walked among the fiery stones, a blameless creature, until wickedness was found. God threw him out. Selfish ambition was the cause of his fall. In one sense, to be like God is the height of wickedness. In another sense, it is the very essence of true piety. It is the plan of God to transform our sinners to be like God. It is his plan to bring many sons to glory. He calls us, justifies us, and glorifies us in his son, Jesus Christ. Turn with me to 1 John chapter 3. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God. And what we will be has not yet been known. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. Or turn to the book of Philippians chapter 3. 20 and 21 but our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a savior from there the Lord Jesus Christ who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body that's why I live by faith I live by humility I live by worshipping and serving the living God he will make me like him. The arrogant strives to be God. And he shall be destroyed. Selfish ambition of the devil. Drove him to be like God. Only to be thrown down. And you read in the book of Revelation. That the devil. And the beast. And the false prophet. They're thrown into the lake of fire, which is the second death. Along with all people who followed the devil and the beast and the false prophets. You never win by selfish ambition. You never win by arrogance. You never win by rebellion against your father, your mother, your pastor. Against God ordained authority, you will never win. According to the determinate counsel of God, he will throw you down. Down, 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 finally to the lake of fire. Down you go.
the bible says humble yourselves under the mighty hand of god he will what lift you up in due time yet god makes miserable sinners like us to be like god not through our selfish ambition or empty conceit but by self abnegation and faith in god behind every proud man of selfish ambition stands satan the very incarnation of pride and selfish ambition the arrogant man who glories in himself is inspired not by the holy spirit but by the devil himself let's look at another man we can look at many people say cora and company and others but i want to look at saul king saul was a nobody he was a nothing like all of us nothings god chose him to be the first king of israel yet he proved himself to be a self worshipper he refused to believe in god remember he was told to wait until samuel came that samuel may offer sacrifices but he would not wait he overstepped his authority he treated god's agent with contempt and then we are told that he was asked to completely destroy the wicked amalekites by divine ordination but you know the story he would not obey in this divine command fully he spared their sheep and cattle and above all he spared the king agag saul did what he pleased he never learned subordination he never learned humility he never learned to trust trust and obey there is no other way so samuel told him let's turn to first samuel chapter 15 22 and 23 but samuel replied does the lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the voice of the lord believing is obey to obey is better than all the sacrifices and to heed is better than the fat of rams because rebellion is like the sin of divination and arrogance like the evil of idolatry because you have rejected the word of the lord he has rejected you as king selfish ambition is rebellion is setting oneself above god and you see in the 15th chapter of 1 samuel that this Saul built a monument for himself in carmel south of hebron he glories in himself i am somebody Early in the morning Samuel got up and went to meet Saul but he was told Saul has gone to Carmel there he has set up a monument 
in his own honor and has turned and gone on down to Gilgal. Self-esteem person honors himself. He lives for his own honor and his own praise. He praises himself and he wants others to praise him. He was fascinated with himself and his accomplishments. He worshipped not the God of Israel. He worshipped himself. He suffered from the me syndrome. Turn with me to 1 Samuel 15 and verse 30. Saul replied, I have sinned, but please honor me. 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 Me syndrome. I, my, mine, me. Turn to First Samuel 22 and verse 8. Here is all he's asking. Is that why you have all conspire, conspired against me? No one tells me. And my son makes a covenant with the son of Jesse. None of you is concerned about me. Or tells me that my son has incited my servant to lie in wait for me. Or verse 13, Saul said to him, Why have you conspired against me, you and the son of Jesse, giving him bread and sword and inquiring of God for him, so that he has rebelled against me and lies in wait for me, and so on. And Saul was a man of selfish ambition. And he will do anything for his own honor. He refused to destroy Amalekites completely. But he did destroy. He did destroy the town of Nob. The city of priests. He didn't have any problem. When it served his purpose. 1 Samuel 22 Beginning with verse 18, the king then ordered Doeg, you turn and strike down the priests. So Doeg the Edomite turned and struck them down. That day he killed 85 men who wore the linen ephod. He also put to the sword Nob, the town of the priests, with its men and women, its children and infants and its cattle, donkeys and sheep. He knows how to do it. In order to get honor for himself. He was possessed of the evil spirit of selfish ambition. Which this country glorifies and worships and promotes. So what happened? The prophet Samuel left him. Holy Spirit left him. Evil spirit tormented him. And we read on Mount Gilboa he committed suicide. Pride goes before fall. Number three, Absalom. Remember Absalom. He was the third son of David. He was the sex symbol of the time. He had a perfect body, we are told. He was extremely handsome. He was fascinated with himself. The scripture says in all Israel there was not a man so highly praised for his handsome appearance as Absalom. Whenever he cut his hair, he would carefully weigh it 
and the weight came to four and one half pounds. His sister was very beautiful too. Her name was Tamar. He had three sons and one very beautiful daughter. And it appears all his sons died. Like Saul, he was also interested in building monument in his honor. So turn with me to Second Samuel chapter 18 and verse 18. And during his lifetime, Absalom had taken a pillar and erected it in the king's valley as a monument to himself. For he thought, I have no son to carry on the memory of my name. He named the pillar after himself and it is called Absalom's monument to this day. And you know the story, this man of pride kills his brother Amnon for raping his sister. He planned to kill his father David and campaigned against his father. He spoke evil of his father. We are told he stole the hearts of people. He would say, if only I and made the king, I would help you. I would hear your case. I would decide your case favorably to you. Something like, Pastor Matthew has a lot of problems. You know, I think he's old. <laughs> I think he's going down fast. If only what? I am the pastor. Man, things will go much better. No, I know you don't think that way. You are all nice people. <laughs> There's no such thing as selfish ambition in this church. Like the devil Absalom wanted to replace his father. The only problem was it God did not call him to be king. That's the only problem. So God killed him. Pride goes before fall. Let's turn to Second Samuel 18. And verse 9, now Absalom happened to meet, happened to meet David's men. He was riding his mule, and as the mule went under the thick branches of a large oak, Absalom's head caught in the tree. He was left hanging in mid-air. While the mule he was riding kept on going. Now let's read 14 and 15. Then Joab said, I'm not going to wait like this for you. So he took three javelins in his hand and plunged them into Absalom's heart while Absalom was still alive in the oak tree. And he died. Pride, self-esteem, self-adulation, selfish ambition, self-trust, empty conceit. Rebellion goes before God's judgment. Four, there is this Adonijah, you read his story. He was next in line. All others are dead. David is dying. It is my opportunity. Yes, there is this divine revelation that his younger brother Solomon is chosen by God to be king of Israel, but no matter. Adonijah was full of selfish ambition and vain conceit. Let's turn to 1 Kings chapter 1. Oh, I know you are saying, I don't have that problem at all. I don't, I don't have any such selfish ambition. Nothing at all. He's speaking about somebody else. Maybe people who are not here. 
First Kings chapter 1, verse 5 and 6. Now Adonijah, whose mother was Hagith, put himself forward and said what? I will be king. I will make myself like the Most High. So he got chariots and horses ready with 50 men to run ahead of him. His father had never interfered with him by asking, Why do you behave as you do? Notice the problem. He was also very handsome and was born next after Absalom. I said God's choice was not Adonijah but Solomon. But Adonijah would not submit to God's will, God's order, God's sovereign rule. He would try to frustrate God's ordination, but God frustrated Adonijah's plan to become king. And you know the story. Solomon let him live conditionally. Let's read First Kings. 52, chapter 1, 52 and 53, Solomon replied, If he shows himself to be a worthy man, not a hair of his head will fall to the ground, but if evil is found in him, he will die. See, I don't personally believe in people changing. It's a possibility. The Bible says so. But I, I haven't found too much change. People promise all kinds of things. I will do it tomorrow. I'll be a better person tomorrow. I want proof, not mere promise. Then King Solomon sent men, and they brought him down from the altar. And Adonijah came and bowed down to King Solomon, and Solomon said, Go home. He went home all right, but he was still arrogant. And so he comes to meet with Bathsheba. And said, I have just one request. He desired to marry Abishag, the Shunammite, David's concubine attendant. What was he doing? He was conniving to assert his claim to the throne. So notice his words betray him. Chapter 2 and verse 15. As you know, he said, the kingdom was mine all Israel looked to me as their king, but things changed. Oh no, things didn't change. It was God's plan that Solomon be king. And he was killed. Pride goes before fall. You study the story of Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel chapter 4. He had a dream of a very large tree full of fruits. It was cut down, leaving only the stump and its roots. Daniel was called to interpret. He interpreted the dream for him. Daniel said God would deal with the pride of Nebuchadnezzar. He would cut him down to size. Let me tell you that. He will cut people down to size. I remember Saddam Hussein in a rat hole and coming up. Everybody who exalts himself will be brought down by the sovereign Lord of the universe. He would cut him down to size. He would be like an animal eating grass until he acknowledges his submission to the God of Israel, the God Most High. Let's turn to the book of Daniel and chapter 4. 
these are written for our admonition chapter 4 of daniel 28 through 30 all this happened to king nebuchadnezzar 12 months later as the king was walking on the roof of the royal palace of babylon he said is not this the great babylon i have built at the royal residence by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty i by for myself verse 31 the words were still on his lips when a voice came down from heaven this is what is decreed for you king nebuchadnezzar your royal authority has been taken from you it is given you by god it is taken from you by god you will be driven away from people and will live with the wild animals you will eat grass like cattle seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge the most high is the sovereign over the kingdoms of men and gives them to any one he wishes let me read to you from verse 34 33 34 and 37 immediately what had been said about nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled he was driven away from people and ate grass like cattle verse 34 at the end of that time i nebuchadnezzar raised my eyes toward heaven and my sanity was restored then i praised the most high i honored and glorified him who lives forever and then he preaches a sermon and this is what he says the last verse verse 37 now i nebuchadnezzar praise and exalt and glorify the king of heaven because everything he does is right and all his ways are just and those who walk in pride he is able to humble selfish ambition self distracts that's why i don't mind you can do whatever you want <laughs> in due time the arrogant will self distract number 6 of course moses was the opposite he asked the question how can we deal with pride selfish ambition vain conceit anthropocentric life leads to pride theocentric life leads to humility and faith either one trusts in in himself and glories in in himself or he trusts and glories in god turn to the book of numbers chapter 12 and this is what we read about moses verse 3 now moses was a very humble man more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth the question is how come he was very humble the answer is because he saw god a greater reality than himself if you see god you would be humble too the reason anyone is arrogant and proud is because he is blind he doesn't see anything beyond himself you must see reality greater than yourself that reality is god uncreated self existing independent creator god i am that i am when you see i am that i am then you will humble 
and he will stop saying, I am. Isaiah saw God and he became very humble. Paul saw the Christ, the glorified Christ, and became very humble. John saw him too, whose eyes were like blazing fire, whose face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance, and he fell at his feet as though dead. This is why we read the Bible and pray. This is why we come to worship the Lord on his day. Thus we see by faith the reality that is greater than ourselves. And be cured of our pride, our selfish ambition, our vain conceit. Thus we live a theocentric life, a humble life, a life of obedient faith. Number seven, Jesus. And we read about this in Philippians 2, 5 through 11. Our attitude should be the same as that of Jesus, the man who lived his life in service to others. The eternal Son, God the Son, humbled himself, took upon himself human nature for our sakes. And he lived in a sinful world. He became a servant. He became a suffering servant. He humbled himself and died for us the death of a criminal, the death on the cross. And he lived a theocentric life. He obeyed the Father in everything. He was greater than Moses. He was clothed with humility. He glorified not in himself. He glorified the Father. And it is he who calls sinners to himself. Come unto me all you who are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am gentle. And humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Therefore, Paul says, God exalted him to the highest place. Do you have this attitude of Jesus? Humility before God. Let's turn to Philippians chapter 2. And let me read to you the first four verses. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Paul exhorts the Philippians to a life of love and unity on the basis of the reality of what God has already done for them. What has God done for them? God has saved them. And this salvation is expressed in a fourfold way. Comfort in Christ. That's what salvation is. Consolation of love means consolation of Christ's love for each of them. Participation in spirit, that is the gift of the Holy Ghost and the knowledge of his indwelling and activity. Tender mercy and compassion. Tender mercy and compassion of Christ experienced by the Philippians when they became Christians through the preaching of the gospel. In view of God saving you. Or we can put it differently as Paul puts it elsewhere. I beseech you. By the mercies of God. That you behave in a certain way. So there is an imperative here. What is the imperative after the indicative of salvation? 
And he says, to fulfill my joy, make my joy com- complete. I'm being persecuted by outsiders, but I'm having pain in my being because you Philippians are not united. I can put up with the sufferings from outsiders, but this gives me great pain. Your lack of love for each other, your disunity hurts me. Fill my cup of joy by living a life of love and unity. How? He tells them how. By being like-minded, having the same love for each other. That's a big commandment. Saying love for each other means same love for the master and for the slave. Being one soul, that is one spirit, of one purpose, which is proclaiming the gospel. Doing nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but doing everything for the glory of God alone. He says, be clothed in humility. Then he says, consider others better than yourselves. A master must consider his slave better than himself. This is amazing in the Christian church. Each one looking after the interests of others, also not one's own. Didn't Jesus say, if you want to be first, be the servant of all. Paul said in Romans 12 and verse 10, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Let's turn to Romans 15 and uh, beginning with verse 1. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not please ourselves. Each of us should please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For even Christ did not please himself. But as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. And Jesus said there is the first and Second commandment, first commandment is what? Love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, mind, soul, and the second is like unto it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Christian priority is God first, others second, and yourselves the third. This priority is the exact opposite of the world's, which is, by all means, look out for number one. Me. Which is satanic priority. The question the disciples asked before crucifixion was what? Who is the greatest? Who is number one of the twelve? Oh no, that is demonic. If you want to be first, be the servant of all. You remember in the upper room, nobody wanted to be a servant. They were all sitting there with unwashed feet. But if you appreciate anything in terms of what God has done to us in Jesus Christ, we will be clothed with humility. Let's turn to the book of Acts, chapter 2. It's amazing what they did. Verse 43, everyone was filled with awe. And many wonder and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common selling their possessions and goods, and gave to anyone as he had need. And you read the same thing in chapter 4, 32 through 37. God first, others second, I'm the last. This is humility. Dr. Boyce gave a, a story about Watchman Nee. He told this story, Watchman Nee. The story of a Chinese Christian He went to his rice field and irrigated it by pumping water into the field. See, everybody's 
is all attention. People like stories. And after five years from now, you say, what did you think about that sermon? Yes, I, I, I remember about that story. So maybe I, I told a lot of other things. But the story. Yes, he went to his rice field and irrigated it by pumping water into it. A farmer whose field was below him drained the water from the field of the Christian into his own field. Yeah, I know these stories because I, I had a field and I used to be a farmer. I know these stories. So the Christian farmer went home and prayed about this problem. Then he went the next time to his field. He first pumped water into the non-Christian's field first and then pumped the water into his own. The Chinese non-Christian was amazed at this. He repented of his sins and became a believer in Jesus Christ. God first, others second, and me last. Let me read to you some scriptures. You can just listen to it. For who makes you different from anyone else? First Corinthians 4, 7. What do you have that you did not receive? How come you are so arrogant? That's the issue. What do you have that you have not received? And if you did receive it, why did you boast us, though you did not? Deuteronomy eight seventeen and 18. You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord, your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. And so confirms his covenant, which he sowed to your forefathers. First Corinthians 20, 1 Corinthians 1.27 through 31. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of the world and the despised things. And the things that are not to nullify the things that are. So that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom of God that is righteousness, holiness and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. Isaiah 57 verse 15, for this is what the high and lofty one says, he who lives forever, whose name is holy, I live in a high and holy place, but also with him who is contrite and lowly in spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. Psalm 138 verse 6, though the Lord is on high, he looks upon the lowly, but the proud he knows from afar. Proverbs 11 verse 2, when pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. Proverbs 16 verse 18, pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. That's why when I see haughty spirit, I can see the thud, hear the thud. It's happening. It will happen. Rest assured, it will happen. It's a divine law. Proverbs 29, 23, you read probably today. A man's pride brings him low, but a man of lowly spirit gains honor. Isaiah 2, 11 and 12. Listen to this. The eyes of the arrogant man will be humbled, and the pride of men brought low. The Lord alone will be exalted in that day. The Lord Almighty has a day in store for all the proud and lofty. For all that is exalted, they will be humbled. James 4, 6, but he gives us more grace. That is why the scripture says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. 
if you are smart, intelligent, wise, we will humble ourselves. First Peter 5, 5 and 6, young men in the same way be submissive to those who are older. All of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another because God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Matthew 23, 11 and 12, the greatest among you will be your servant for whoever exalts himself will be humbled and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Luke 18, 11 and 12, the Pharisee stood up, here is the arrogant, and prayed about himself. God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. What is the conclusion of the whole matter? Theocentric life is a life of humility. That is a life lived in the consciousness of the existence of God. Theocentric life is a life of humility, faith, and service. The priority then would be God first, others second, myself the third. Who wants to be third? The word humility comes from two words in the Greek, tapeno frosune. Two words, lowly plus mind. It means a mind that thinks very lowly of oneself. Let me tell you, this humility was not a virtue for the Greek. It was considered a weakness by them. It was a shame in the Greek world to be humble. But humility is a virtue in Christianity. It is the result of God-centered life. A man is either self-centered, self-serving, or God-centered and God-serving. Selfish ambition, brothers and sisters, is an enemy of faith. Their place is outside the lake of fire. Let's turn to what you have read a few days ago concerning the humble servants of God in God's eternal plan. They will be blessed with the very presence of God. Revelation 22, let me read from verse 3 and following. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God. See, we recognize the throne of God and one who is seated on the throne of God. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city and his servants will serve him. Hallelujah. And then they will see his face. This is what blessing in all its essence is all about. They will see him. And his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. And they will reign forever and ever. They will have a share in the tree of life. They will have access to the city of God whose builder and maker is God. Thus, the humble shall dwell with God in all the blessings forever and ever and ever and ever. If you have never trusted in Jesus Christ, it's it's because arrogance. I say to you, call upon the name of the Lord. Fall down and worship him, believe in him, trust in him. Christ died for you on the cross. (laughs) 
He was a man for others. He lived and died for sinners. That their sins may be forgiven. Hallelujah. And instantly you will be translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. You will be raised with Christ and seated with Christ in heavenly places. You will experience the joy that is inexpressible even now and forevermore. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we detest, abhor, repent of our pride, selfish ambition, empty conceit, self-adulation and self-worship. Lord, we resolve to live a God-conscious, theocentric life. We believe that you oppose the proud, but you give grace to the humble. Yes. This morning, Lord, we humble ourselves under your mighty yes, hand. Oh this morning, we embrace the attitude re- revealed to us in the life of Jesus Christ. Give grace to all of us. Clothe us, O oh God, with humility. Help us to become servants of Jesus. There is joy in serving Jesus. Amen. This has been part nine of the sermon series entitled Faith is the Victory. Come back soon for more transforming Bible teaching from Pastor P.G. Matthew.